0: syndrome of fires cassie and ryan are here with the antidote great to meet you guys
1: it's really really good to meet you
0: yeah thanks man for giving us a shout we're gonna start off by getting really personal here <laughs> oh great cassie it's been said that redheads are hot tempered and impetuous <laughs> does that describe you
1: okay see i have a theory about this see that i'm scottish not irish And I really think it's different about where your red hair gene comes from. Just my personal opinion. I think the Irish are a little bit more, I'm going to yell at you in the face for like an hour. (laughs) Like I would say definitely I'm unique as a redhead. um, And I would say I'm more just, I'm definitely fiery. I'm definitely passionate in the sense that I'm very intense and my emotions are very intense. But I don't yell at people. I actually hate to yell at people. So I don't lash out. I don't really like to fight, but I'm definitely intense. and I definitely feel things very intensely. And I mean, I'd say syndrome of fire, the name fire. I am very fiery. So I would agree with that aspect, but I think it's a little confused by some people.
0: Okay. Ryan, you've got to tell me, is Cassie being honest?
2: (laughs) Well, I was about to interrupt. I was just like saying, maybe you should cut that whole first thing out. So she doesn't start the whole thing with a lie. But no, I mean, Honestly, like, I mean, I've seen a lot of redheads that, you know, are crazy, but she (laughs) tends to be like one of the most bubbly, just kind of genuine, you know, honest and caring, you know, people I've ever met in my life. So uh, she's kind of an anomaly, I guess you would call it. So. Oh, no. It's kind of hard because when she ever she describes redhead, she's always trying to describe the way that she is. So if you listen back to what she said, she's pretty well defending the fact that she has red hair.
1: <laughs> I'm very proud. Actually, uh, you're Irish. Yes. But there's no red hair on him. So yeah,
2: And I did not hit her for like bashing my heritage while she was saying all that.
1: So. <laughs> That's true. I was bashing your hair. No. <laughs> I love Irish people. They are my sisters and brothers, but my red hair comes from my Scottish blood.
0: Okay, Ryan. I'm not going to leave you out of this either. Another one for you. <laughs> How do you take it not being the most attractive member of Syndrome of Fire?
2: Well, I, I'm the biggest member of Syndrome of Fire, so it works out pretty well. Uh,
1: like kind of question is that?
2: So, just, just just since you mentioned that, I, I'll just tell you, I am the business guy in our band. I do a lot of the background, you know, the business stuff, and um, when. Sunny and I were kind of the original. Uh, we were actually part of a different band before that we had started and we lost our lead singer and we kind of want to change our genre because we we're kind of a southern rock. And so we want to go more of like hard rock type stuff. And we had uh, met Cassie a while before that. We were talking, man, she can really sing. And and then she looks really good. She's like really pretty. <laughs> I was like, she'd look really good the front of a poster. <laughs> and honestly, the, those, those two things, because she could sing well and I thought she'd look good on the front of a poster. It's the main two reasons why she's part of the band. <laughs>
0: oh, whoa. That's why
1: they asked me. No, <laughs> but then we all became best friends and it's, it's, it's awesome.
0: And that's why you can put up with comments like that.
1: <laughs> yes, it's because I know him. Yeah, but, but, we we but, tease each other all the time. But
0: they're
2: both compliments. They're not just comments. Yes. I mean, I'm basically yes. saying that she's pretty and she's a good singer all at the same time. <laughs> So she can't, like, get too mad. I got an interesting Cassie fact that we don't tell a lot of people.
1: (laughs) I know where he's going.
2: Where am I going with this?
1: I think I know. Okay. So anyway, so, like, I want to have a shirt made. I sleep with my pastor. But, like, I'm married to a pastor. (laughs) Oh, that's priceless. So, but here's the thing, I know it would offend Christian circles, but do you know how many people would come up with questions and I could tell them, actually, I went on my nine year anniversary of married to my husband. It's been amazing, you know, how my life turned around and how, you know, awesome that's <laughs> been. And, you know, I mean, they would not expect that answer, but it be like, yeah, I sleep with him. <laughs>
0: well, totally go for it. <laughs> so,
1: so, yeah, we just haven't gotten around to it. But yeah, no, it's interesting. My husband is a pastor. You know, sometimes I think I would have made his life so much easier if I could have just been a cookie cutter pastor's wife. If I could have even just just done put out worship albums. Um, but you know what? I am. I don't make things easy for him <laughs> sometimes. But I have the most amazing man, and I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for him and the support he's given me. And uh, he's a he's a man that understands what God's called me to do, and uh, he knows my heart and he sees the fruit. It's it's a good thing.
0: Well, I think you've already (laughs) half answered this question, because I was going to ask when Syndrome of Fire joined together.
1: Well, let me think, 2010? Uh, April
0: April 2010.
1: Yeah, April 2010. Um, That's when I joined the band. We became an entirely different band. We became Syndrome of Fire. And um, yeah, that was the beginning, beginning of it all. And I'm really happy we did it. It's changed our lives.
0: And why the switch from
2: your Southern rock roots? Because uh, I didn't like it, and neither did Sonny. And it was just more of the previous lead singer that was just like kind of shifting us that way. And, you know, Sonny and I, um, I mean, we, we love metal. And we both also love classical music. And so um, we got a lot into symphonic metal during that time. And we were listening to a lot of symphonic stuff like Epica, Evanescence, Nightwish, you know, stuff like that. And those were a lot of our influences when we first started. And, and a female vocalist was just perfect for that in addition too. And Sonny is actually, uh, he has a degree in music and uh, he's kind of a master of music theory. Uh, and that's kind of like his forte. And he's also a classically trained pianist, kind of a virtuoso level at that. So, um, you know, to, to have those elements and be able to do that, that was kind of really important to us at the time. Where the rest of the time we were playing music that we didn't like and that for him was just like really dumbed down. And he was just kind of like there just playing chords when, you know, he's just kind of bored the whole
0: time.
1: Yeah, give him a grand piano, and he's amazing. We're very proud of him.
0: Well, talking about that style, it's, I guess it points you guys could almost come across as being symphonic metal. Your sound's really sort of unique, at least in the North American market, because you've got that odd blend, I mean, really, of mixing the rock metal and classical. You know, it's like you've tossed it all into a blender.
1: That might yeah. be a little
0: more common in Europe, but you don't find that much here, right?
1: That is a good point. True. Well,
2: and and in Europe, a lot of it is the symphonic side. I mean, uh, you know, we've done stuff with that, but then even with Evanescence, we've done stuff with them in the past. And uh, but a lot of their music, you know, it was really focused on the string side. And uh, for us, I mean, basically, setting is our Van Halen in our band, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's what we call him.
2: And I can tell, say whatever I want about him, because he's not here. So, uh, but <laughs> but he he is really kind of our, you know, he is that virtuoso that just kind of shines through. And and it's been really kind of hard, you know, over the course of time, trying to figure out stuff like our newer stuff versus our older stuff on our last EP. A lot of that was a little bit more guitar driven, because we were still trying to figure out how to make things heavy and include as much actual piano as possible. And uh, I, I think we finally found the recipe on this last song that we just released. And uh, most of the album's going to have a lot more of that type of feel to it.
1: So that has been, that has really set us apart or made us unique, um, being a rock band that has someone like him. So yeah, we definitely want to utilize that. But it, it's been interesting, it's been fun. And I think we've got it now.
0: Something we were talking about just as we were setting up for this interview you're talking about, you know, being aired on Secular Radio also being aired on Christian radio. Do you think there really needs to be that defining line between the two?
2: I don't think so. I think <laughs> Christians think there needs to be a defining line between the two. I mean, that's just my personal opinion, just dealing with things. But it's uh, like some of the questions that we were asked on the other side that, you know, the, that wasn't Christian earlier today. I'm trying to get secular out of my vocabulary because that's a Christian word. And so every single time I talk with somebody you know, that's in that market, it's just like, I say the word secular, and they look at me like I'm a moron. I guess what I mean is, it's not Christian. Historically, that's just the way that Christians have always been. They, and I, I'm not mean this to bash Christians in any way, as I am one. You know, we, we create things that are everybody else's way versus our way, you know, that type of a thing, and give it a different word, where everybody else's way is technically kind of the normal way, and we're the more the abnormal minority in the way that we do things.
1: I believe God created me and he gave me a gift to write music and I want to be able to write and sing music and I want to be able to share it with people and I don't want it to be any more complicated than that. I just want to write music and you can listen to it or you can not listen to it. And But honestly, my heart is to inspire people. My heart is to help them um, to be able to connect with the music like, like art and to be able to have it move them. So that's really the point. So if if we can have someone go home and decide not to kill themselves, we can have someone go home and decide, you know what, I need to tell my spouse that I love them or my children that I love them, then we've done our job. And uh, that's fulfilling for us.
0: You were talking about the songwriting. Where's the emphasis put with Syndrome of Fire? Is it the message, the lyrics, the music, or the entertainment?
2: Like, I I would say... It's kind of all equal, but the, but the one thing that I would say that there's an emphasis behind everything that we do, we give our music to God. We, we give our concerts to God. We give, you know, what we're doing. I mean, that's, that's why we do this. It's just, we don't care if it makes sense to other people or not. It's, you know, that they're telling us, Oh, you should do this business wise. Cause this makes sense. Or, you know, this would be better on this. You know, our, our main goal is, is what we feel that God has asked us to do. And, uh, And it's unique to us. And for me, I guess the biggest thing, which is just kind of the spirit and the purpose behind what we're trying
0: to get out. Well, you mentioned about the business part of it. That's always the struggle with a band, because you're trying to balance off what would be viable, what people are going to want to purchase, what people are going to want to hear versus the artistic side. Do you ever find that to be a struggle?
1: We definitely have our story of... uh... (laughs) We've been with a label. We've worked with lots of different people. So we've definitely had um, different directions given to us. Yeah.
2: I, I guess just kind of business-wise and stuff, the biggest thing with any business is figure out what works for them and truly who they're trying to really be as a business and who they're trying to, you know, the type of crowds that they're trying to reach. And And what it comes down to is you build that plan and then you go after that. And For us, it's, you know, we've known that, and sometimes in the past we have listened to other people saying that, oh, you should do this and this. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than being up on stage and playing music that does not resonate with you, that is your music. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just because it's like, oh, now we're pop rock, you know, and it's just like, oh, this doesn't feel right at all, you know? So just different stuff like that. So the the biggest thing that we've kind of learned is just to be true to ourselves, and if if people like that, then great. And if they don't, you know, this is what we believe in, and this is the product that we have that God has given us. So,
1: and obviously, I mean, if you need to listen to professionals in the industry. And I mean, if everyone is telling you that sucks, <laughs> then you probably need to, <laughs> you know, what I mean, rethink it. There, there's a practical side for sure. And uh, so, but I think when we have enough people who are the professionals saying yes, this this is good, you know then, yeah, you're always going to have someone else who wants to kind of put you in a cookie cutter (laughs) and what they think works. But I think a lot of people will run after that formula nowadays, and we do need something more genuine, more sincere, something that is just very honest and real. And if it's a little different than the formula, I think people will like it because you can kind of get bored with the formula. And I don't mean crazy get away from the formula. I just mean something that is um, truly creative and, and unique. The singer-songwriter Doc Holliday here in Nashville, he actually collaborated with us in writing Not a Slave. And uh, one of my favorite quotes by him is he says, you have to write for hearts, not charts. That's just it. It's just um, what are people going through? What can they relate to? What What is their heart feeling? What is my heart feeling? And that's what I'm going to share. And I'm hopefully I can share it in an artistic way that is, So interesting that hasn't been done that it moves people. Let's get
0: back to your music. This was funny because after we arranged this interview, I went on a hunt for some of Syndrome of Fire's older material. Oh my God. Oh no. I had no luck at all finding your first EP, Static, and I only found a couple of songs from the 2011 EP, I'm Alive. Did you just make all that old music disappear?
1: out the skeletons in our class no just kidding (laughs) no they're not it's not even bad it's it's just
0: no it's bad
1: what we don't like is the quality of the recording (laughs) it's just it's just poor it was our first project and as we look back the quality it was not good enough in our minds to sell (laughs) or to just put out there it certainly doesn't represent us and who we are right now
2: And, and a lot of that too is i mean we lived in Iowa at the time, and there's only so many options that you have there. It's not like it's, you know, a music mecca or anything. So it was just more of, we didn't know what we're doing, and somebody's like, oh, you can do it for this amount of money. And it's like, well, that seems more expensive than our, all our friends are doing it for, but hey, it'll probably be better than all our friends. And it was, but it just compared to other standards, it just was not great really truly what this is is you you get what you pay for on this type of stuff you pay more money you get more time you know to flush out the ideas to make sure that you know that you're happy with your tracking um and you also get afterwards you know where the people actually spend time on mixing it right you know where you take like let's say three guitar tracks and you're like hey you know that second guitar track is the one i like and then then they put in your scratch guitar track instead you know that's what happens like <laughs> okay so our first experience this was a nightmare for me so the amps had a buzz because the studio that we're at which was like a house studio had bad power in it and so the guitar amps were just buzzing with 60 cycle hum so they had me plugged directly into the computer and then they're going to use a you know like an amp modeler with it you know through through logic because that's what they're using and then basically it with the latency because of the quality of their computer couldn't use it so i didn't have to play most of it dry without actually a distorted single on it and then they put the distortion on it later and that's really difficult (laughs) so it's just it, it you know it doesn't feel right but all those different types of things you know we were really happy with it when it first came out and then a lot of it we just became better songwriters however there is one song off that album
1: yeah that, but it's still a fan favorite. yeah,
2: and it's you know, and it's it, we actually close most of our sets with that song. It's the it's, finale. yeah. which song is that? It's the letter.
1: yeah, it's it's really special to us because actually, was that our first song we wrote together? Like, yeah, we we wrote it because a friend of ours that was um addicted to alcohol and just meth uh, drugs, she was dealing drugs. She thought it'd be great. She's like, maybe I'll die tomorrow. You know, I mean, totally had no value for her life. And when you're watching someone do this, you're thinking, you just, she don't know what to do. You want to shake them. It doesn't matter what you say to them. And they just won't believe you. And they're just trying to kill themselves, you know. And um, basically, we wrote this song all about her. And she's looking down in the sand and she's kind of writing in the sand. But above her, she's riding in the sand, um, really it's it's God is writing in the sky and he's writing a love letter telling her everything she was created to be. And so it's kind of just this experience and this encounter where she kind of has this revelation, um, of her creator and actually that her life is valuable. Um, it's just kind of, she experiences that at the moment. And, uh, so the lyrics go on and and it, and it just tells the story of, of how she overcomes that and finds her life. And, And so now today, She's happy. She's totally sober. She's off drugs. She's doing well. And um, it's just really neat to have seen that change. Um, But I'm telling you, there were so many tests she put us through. And I think she was just kind of waiting for just ever the whole world to reject her. She didn't think anyone would stick around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like she just was like, I know you'll give up on me. You'll give up on me. But we didn't. I think yeah, people just need to know that you're going to stick in there, that you're there no matter what. So yeah, it's it's a it's a favorite of ours.
2: It, it's turned into like a whole entire basically movement. It's a multi part kind of like a it, it's almost a rhapsody, like for a classical term, where you have all these different parts that kind of show up during the the song, and the, at the end, it's just this everything all coming together. Culmination, then. yeah, yeah, just for this big huge part of it. It's the like end. an
1: outro, but it, that doesn't really give it justice. <laughs>
2: but it, and I mean, and honestly, too, like. That's probably one of our best songs live, and part of it is just because we've rewritten it about 80 times now. So we We'll
1: change it up for the <laughs> fans now and then be like, okay, this year of touring, I think we need, what are we going to do with the letter? And it's like, they'll look forward to hearing it differently. <laughs> so-
2: and it's about eleven minutes long right now. So it started out as like four minutes and something. So we've obviously added a lot. I think to we it. need to add a more eleven
1: more minutes. We just <laughs> need to take. Yeah, it needs to be like half of our set. It needs yeah. to be the letter.
0: <laughs> That's very metal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah. kudos to you for uh, researching that. <laughs>
0: yeah. So.
1: Actually, we have um, long talked about re-recording the letter and then putting it as like the end of our next full length album. So to be honest, we will probably do that.
2: <laughs> it's still one of our best songs that translates the most, but it's because it's based on a true story and it's based on a certain emotion that most people can connect to at some point in their life where, you know, they just feel kind of woe is me and like there's no more to life. And then the whole thing is they've they've never looked up, you know, and and seen everything that God has for them in life. And so I think that's one of the things, too, that makes it magic. And and it's it's awesome that we end with that every night, too, because, like Cassie, a lot of her concerts, she doesn't say much about God at all, but it's just like that we found a hope, you know, because we play a lot of bars and stuff like that, and if they have any questions, come and talk to us afterwards, and what, and then she'll explain about this song, and just kind of all that, and then the way that the song moves, the amount of people that we have and come and talk to us afterwards, and just asking us questions and, you know, spending time with us. And it's, it's ridiculous, but that's just part of the magic. As far as like the whole entire show, the truth is that God has a plan for you and that you have no idea how beautiful he created you to be and the dreams that he has for you. And cause I think it just says
1: yeah.
2: humanity as a whole at this point right now, that's what everybody kind of goes through is just like, man, I wish my life was better.
1: Yeah, the, the value of life. That's what I'm seeing. A lot. I would say that that's probably something that I've said a lot from stage that the most important thing in this room are the people, you know, and that like your life is so valuable. I say that a lot. I say, you know, you don't realize how much you are loved and you don't realize how important you are on this earth. That may sound even sappy or that may sound like so serious, but but it's just true and we need to hear it. And um, usually it relates to the song that we're going to share at that point.
0: Okay, we've covered off some of the past history. How about we bring it a little bit closer to today's date? <laughs> 2013, you released Save Me From Myself. Yeah. Same title as the release by Brian Head Welch.
1: I know. I and know.
0: the single from Christina Aguilero.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, I knew about the Brian Head Welch, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs>
0: But definitely not the same style of music. Right.
1: Actually you meant to name it the fall, didn't you? Right. And we went we accidentally went with Save
2: before <laughs> it. just kind of can claim responsibility for the title because he just kinda of like, Oh He
1: had to put it up on something and he's like, Well, what were we titling it? And I was like, Well, I think we're gonna title it the fall, because like our new our full length is gonna be a new beginning. And and then I, I don't know how. This was like before a concert. Yeah. That's what it was. Oh, we were that's right, we were getting CDs ready. <laughs> Sorry. And we had to put the title on it. And so he's like, No, I think we were gonna say save me for myself. And I was like, I don't know, just put whatever Sonny. <laughs> I think he, oh. I think he was listening. so that he put save me for myself. And then afterwards you were like, Wait, I no, we were gonna be calling it the fall. <laughs> Did we have poor communication skills? No. <laughs> we're really best friends though. We really are. <laughs> But, yeah, no, actually, I think it totally fits. It totally fits. Save me from myself.
0: You had Noah Hansen from Pillar as producer on that. Yep. Which is yep. cool. He's I mean, he's an awesome guy.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: How much influence did he have on Syndrome of Fire's sound? He's had some influence on our sound,
2: more than anything, to be honest. I mean, I, I shouldn't say some influence. He's had a lot of influence on our sound. But a lot of the reason is not so much of a, you know, where he's like, oh, I'm going to make you sound like what I know, that type of a thing, as much as he's really encouraged us to be who we want to be, you know, as a whole, just like, man, you guys are good. You guys have something here, you know, and just really encouraging us. You know, he spent a lot of time (laughs) on our stuff. I mean, uh, just to make sure that was right. You know, I mean, he's been ultra careful. Uh, with a lot of things he cares about us and he's not just our producer he's actually uh, for me he's he's one of my closest friends and um but that's been one of the biggest things is he's probably not just in oh i'm gonna try to make you like this or whatever it's just he's just encouraged us as like you guys have something and you know go for it and just i guess just re- really encourage us to believe in ourselves and take it to the next level so and uh Cause he's, he's been there with us like through some of our hardest times, you know? And, and uh, you know, he was there to kind of pick us up on one very specific one. And that's kind of how our relationship with him started was through a bad relationship with another producer that was trying to take advantage of us. And um, he kind of swooped in and wasn't getting paid for anything. And he just came in to work with me on some guitar parts. And he basically was like, well, and this is the first time we had ever met him in person. We saw what was going on and we were just all devastated and, He was like, well, this ain't right. (laughs) And and, uh, next thing we knew, like we weren't, you know, because we were living in Iowa at the time. We'd come down to Nashville and, you know, all this time that we're going to be spending down here. We ended up spending the whole time at his house. He's like, don't worry about getting hotels, all that type of stuff. Just come stay over at my house, you know. And, I mean, he just spent a lot of time just talking just truth into us about what we had, also just about just our hearts and just helping us just kind of recondition our hearts because we had had just a bunch of bad
1: screw us over. yeah a
2: bunch of bad like people just kind of uh, just like hey you guys are Christians we're Christians too you know let's do something together and just trusting and you know going and being yeah. taken advantage of and'm not that all are like that but that's kind of the guys that a lot of them that approached us went under but he was the first guy who was just to kind of say enough is enough and to really believe in us and really help us and and really
0: prioritize us. So that was prior to Save Me From Myself or during Save Me From Myself?
2: It's kind of both during the same. So we we started writing parts of Save Me From Myself. We have one song that will be on the new album that was not part of Save Me From Myself. uh, That that was the first song that we did with Noah. And um, Save Me From Myself, originally we were planning on having it kind of an EP, just more of a teaser for our current fans. And then a few months later to release a full length and during that time things started moving and tours and all that type of stuff and it's just like oh well we don't have time and then you know then too much time passes and you can't really combine them so you know now doing a total separate work
0: you had a really cool single from save me from myself run you want to talk about that
1: yeah um (laughs) yeah i love run actually uh That started with Ryan really because well, that was like a tour. I don't know. We're in the van, we're on our way down to Nashville, report. I don't know if you ever know. Like, okay, so you look at one of your band members and you kind of know they're in the zone. So he's up in the front passenger side, he's got the acoustic guitar. Yeah, I can tell like something's going on. And basically, what did you say? You were like, We gotta stop, we gotta stop at McDonald's, just stop somewhere. I gotta show you. I like. I got this whole song. It just totally like dropped into my heart right now. Like, so we go to McDonald's and I think I was eating an avocado and you guys are eating ice cream cones. <laughs> it was pretty typical of us. But anyways, um, he just kind of saw this depravity of mankind, just, just total depravity of human nature. Um, You know, just blood and a desire for pain and hurting people i mean just this the depravity of humankind and, and he saw this and, and and so the word just kind of started to flow very poetically to describe this and um but it was just really neat when he showed it to us because he was just totally in that element and i love it i love it when i see like him and sonny where, like, things just, just come to them so quickly, you know, because it's a total moment of inspiration. And, uh, but that's that is where Run started. And, um, it was interesting with writing that song because it's very graphic. Um, you know, and I kind of compare it to this. You, you ever see The Passion of the Christ?
0: Mm hmm. Yes.
1: Um, I actually really liked it. Some people didn't like how graphic it was, <laughs> some people, they just want to see, uh, um, Jesus and they want to see him without the blood and all that and you know some people are more comfortable with other things than others but um, with this song um, What we were trying to portray is is really human nature without God But kind of you're you're running to him you're running to find a a hope you're trying to run to to get away from yourself because you know you're that disgusting without, (laughs) without you know that and There's a lot of references to blood but finding finding literally some some salvation in a sense really to be honest that whole song is the salvation message in a very abstract form and the reason why i bring up the passion is is uh for some christians it was too graphic for them (laughs) and for others they loved it so it was interesting that we started off with that single i guess is what i'm saying i i don't like to just spell things out. I feel like art is supposed to be a metaphor. It's supposed to cause you to think, to understand it, to appreciate it. Um, so that's why I personally really en- enjoyed the lyrics and some of the stuff that Ryan came up with.
2: Most of our music isn't written for a Christian fan base or Christian audience. In that song, it was written to be able to bring up questions in the middle of a show, like at a bar or at an arena, you know, like where people that are there can look at their life, they can relate to those feelings, and then start to ask themselves questions. That's kind of one of the things as you go through a lot of our songs, if you saw us live, it's a bunch of questions kind of, you know, they stir emotions that make you start asking questions about different things. And and there's nothing better for somebody to actually, you know, question, what is this with my life? There must be something more, you know, is, is there more, you know, and, and it's led to a lot of explanation, like what is this song about, you know, and actually I'm able to share, you know, because when somebody asks you the question, you can actually give them the answer where they'll actually listen to it, you know, and uh, so this song was, I'll just be honest with you, it wasn't received well on the Christian music side, but it was never written with an intent for them. It was really written with intent for, you know, the unbeliever to provide them with something that would pose the question of, Is there something more, you know, like I I can relate to a lot of this. I can relate to this darkness and there has to be something more out there.
0: Well, Cassie, you were mentioning about the lyrical content from Run, looking at it from a more cryptic viewpoint, or at least to have people questioning, but I guess really with your new single, Not a Slave, you're carrying on with that same idea yeah you know where it's both straightforward and fairly involved at the same time do you want to describe what the song's about
1: yeah honestly if you were to pull out that scripture to live is christ and to die is gain and Sonny brought up that scripture and we were like well let's write a song about it that's kind of where it started but really it is about um dying to yourself filthy habits you know just a cycle of life where you're you're doing the same thing over and over. And you feel like you're a slave to unhealthy pain management and like all these things that you're doing, you know? And you're like, this is hurting the people I love. It's hurting myself. It's something that's very self absorbing. And so it's kind of like realizing you, you you gotta kill it. Like, I'm not saying kill yourself, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you gotta, gotta kill it. And it's like, it's not a fun process. And uh, but literally, it's not fun also being a slave to the same stuff over and over. I mean, and really, that's describing addiction. Um, so, but the Bible talks about like you have to be crucified with Christ in order to experience a life of resurrection. So I've always been fascinated. My favorite scripture is um, Philippians 3:10. It says, "I want to know Him." and experience basically his resurrection to be to know him and his sufferings that i may attain to the resurrection of the dead and that's awesome that's really living and so really the the song is just about killing that side of you so you're not a slave to all your problems anymore and experiencing new life
0: well some of the lyrics that read the nightmares of my yesterdays they still burn inside me Letting go is my escape, falling through forever. But how personal is that for you?
1: It's totally personal, like as someone who life is to follow Christ, who who I would say I'm a Christian. Because like there's there's always the things that you yourself that hasn't until I get to heaven, I'm not gonna experience full perfection, you know? And it's like this every day of trying to live a day of repentance and change and letting God change you in healing, in relationship with Him. Um, And that's just walking that out. And so, yeah, I would say it's very real. It's interesting because you can get past what you were doing, but it's funny how our memories work. We can still remember. And sometimes, you know... Like our nightmares, we can still bring things up, even though that may have been your old self. But yet you can still remember, you know.
2: And with that, too, is like everybody has a different story. You know, like my story is, you know, some of my nightmares from my past, for example, are due to my own personal stupidity, you know. And where other people, you know, they might have been forced into a situation where, you know, their life was terrible in the past and in the only way that they were able to get over that was you know through christ and so for me you know the only way i could get over some of the dumb decisions i've made in the past was through christ you know cassie has a different story of just like she was forced into like some horrific scenarios as a child to the point where the only way that she was able to get over it was because god's
1: healing i mean just the fact that i wish i could show you a before picture and then an after picture of me and not so much because of the physical appearance or anything like that but just more of I was so broken and it is amazing the healing and just how I literally live a life of freedom and none of that matters. Like I am, I'm happy and that doesn't mean because nothing bad happens, but who I am is different. I have identity. I have a purpose to my life and I can choose what home I can go home to. I mean, it's just, I'm loved it's, yeah, it, it's just really different. And so that's another thing is like, I, I don't want to so much just say on air, oh, I'm a Christian. But really, it's, it has been an experience. It's been an encounter with my creator. And that all I can really share is, is just my story and what I've experienced. It's not just a religion or a set idea of beliefs that's just been passed down to me. I could care less about that. I just know what has changed my life and I'm not going back because who would? <laughs> did you know that the, the screams in Not a Slave was like a last minute edition? We weren't even planning that.
0: I am so glad you did.
1: Oh, I know. That intro like-
0: is Perfect.
1: And it went so funny because, um, so he's with Noah, they're working on the song and just, you know, looking if there's any last edits and, and we're writing back and forth. And he basically he's like, Hey, Cass, like, I, I did some ideas with Screamo. Let me know what you think. And I listen to it. He starts off in that beginning. And I'm like, I love this. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm like, this, it just got my my adrenaline going, you know? So I was like, yeah, okay, we're gonna definitely keep that. We're definitely doing it. But it's kind of funny though, last minute stuff that you didn't even plan when you're writing the song, how that's a big defining characteristic of the song, I think, so. I love it, Ryan's awesome.
0: Okay, if you were gonna sum up Syndrome of Fire, what's the most important thing about the music? I mean, uh,
2: I we, we tried summing that actually into a statement one time, and I can't remember where we put it. <laughs> but kind of the general gist is, you know, to provide hope for the hopeless, to be able to provide a way for those who haven't found it.
1: Love and, to those who
2: don't feel it. Because I guess we just want to be whatever God wants us to be. You know, we don't have to define ourselves by this or this or this. Kind of like I think Cassie mentioned this earlier in the interview, but you know if, if we go and um like we play at a bar a night and somebody comes up to us afterwards and they're like I I've been suicidal and after a couple of your guys songs you know it really spoke to me and after this I don't want to anymore I I want to know what you guys have you know and then going through those you know the explanation of that and to see in somebody's eternal destiny you know instantly changed but the whole thing is We don't have to be the first to the end, you know, kind of the end all. You know, we just want to be in that moment, whatever God has for us that night, whether it's, you know, somebody doesn't kill themselves, somebody goes home and decides to throw the drugs away that night. Maybe somebody goes home and tells their spouse that they love them or, you know, or they just go home and they're just, they feel happy for the first (laughs) time in a long time. We we don't have to give them the full entire answer because there's God will position other people in their lives. And so our thing is, whatever God wants us to be that night is just what we want to be.
0: Syndrome of Fire has Not a Slave as a single. Does that mean you're working on a new album?
2: Yes. So um, we've actually been uh, on the project for most of this year. We've been writing a lot of it. Um, It's going to be called A New Beginning. It was originally what we planned on releasing a few years ago, but then we just did the EP instead. And uh, we've been really working on writing and recording, and hopefully we'll release it in the first quarter of 2016.
0: Ryan and Cassie of Syndrome of Fire have been here with The Antidote. Guys, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Thank you for having us, Dave. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Yeah, I've, I've had a great
2: time too.